ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Greg Dutcher is not sitting across from me. He's sitting next to me. How's it feel, Nathan? What What's going on, mean? man? I know, man. We're really close. You guys are getting close. I'm a little worried here. We are. Snug as a, two bugs in a row. Well, we're not that close. But not we, that close. Yeah, you know what, dude? This reminds me of the uh, original days. I know, right? When we're side to side. Yeah. This, uh, Still a little more room in here, though. Over than the, the old sound room. Days. Yes. Mm-hmm. That sound room, man. Hot. That was hot. Sweaty. <laughs> crowded. Um, yeah, this is nice. We, we have a few more people in here tonight, dude. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so excited, and we're going to go ahead and get to our topics uh, topic in just a moment. A um, couple of uh, quick announcements, though. First, I um, want to let everybody know that our 100th episode is going to be coming up in two weeks, July 5th. Yes. Um, this one's going to be extra exciting. We're going to be doing it live. Live! So we're uh, looking forward to that. We are going to have a phone number, Greg, where people can call into us Ooh, live. Yes. Cool. It will be uncensored and... Um, well, Greg, you might not have a job after that I one. I know. So. Yeah, you said that. I got scared. <laughs> I'm going to encourage, uh, without giving away one of our guests tonight, all my elders and financial <laughs> committee to not listen to that particular Unless <laughs> <laughs> there be any what we call um, consequences. That's repercussions. <laughs> yes, repercussions. So we will see. But uh, you know what? A lot of people were asking me if Reverend James King's going to call. All I say is we're at his mercy. I know. Uh, if he calls in that night, because we've never dealt with him live on voicemail. There may even be one tonight, but we can get to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there eventually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to just put that out there. Our 100th episode, July 5th, will be live. We're going to be going an hour and a half on that one. Yeah, so, so we're going to start at 9 p.m. Eastern. 9.30. 9.30 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> Forgive me. Uh, 9.30 p.m. So to when we go to 11, exactly. it's an hour and a half. What was I thinking? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're going to have a nice full house here that night, too. Yep. A uh, lot of our regulars, and uh, we're going to just kind of open it up to a whole bunch of... Who knows what's yeah, going to happen? It's I unplanned know. and crazy. That's right. We're, we're wacky like that. It, we are, man. <laughs> uh, so we want to... Um, dive right in to what we're going to talk about today, uh, which is gun control. Greg, you tweeted that out earlier today. Yeah, yeah. Going to be talking about gun control. Um, first, though, just want to let everyone know, this has been in the works for months. Yeah. Um, and we initially planned to do this episode on uh, the day after Memorial Day. We were going to time it around Memorial Day, mm-hmm. veterans, um, just you know, kind of a, a more solid theme here. Um, the fact that it happened... Um, two weeks after Orlando um, is is tragic. Um, but I, I think there is going to be something of God's providence in it, as as you will hear. We are going to comment and talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we do want to mainly take the focus off of that specific tragedy and focus more on facts and statistics about gun control and mm-hmm. what we hear from both sides every single day them telling us, and, and hopefully uh, this will be a fun uh, but spirited debate, mm-hmm. uh, gracious as uh, all of our debates tend to be, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully you'll get a lot out of it as our listeners. But we want to introduce our two guests who are going to be doing most of the talking today. Uh, Greg and I will <laughs> chime in every once in a while when we're not feeling quite as ignorant. I don't um, know, dude. You know me, uh, Nathan. I'm sort of a man of few words. <laughs> So I, I rarely, right guys, have anything to say. Um, and when I do, it's always very even keeled, not emotional, well thought out. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, so first guest, um, everyone very familiar with Steve Hartland. Steve, how you doing tonight? Hey, great. Very happy to be here. And this is going to be a fun topic. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it's good to have you on here. It's uh, it's been a little while since you've since you joined us. So good to good to have you back on. And um, go ahead and tell us a little bit more specifically about what you do with um, Armed Up and what that is to kind of give some of the backgrounds and qualifications of why we asked you to be on. Thank you. I'd be happy to. Thank you. You even named the company yes. Armed Up. Armed Free plug. Up. Armed, we, yes. we are all about product placement oh, in this podcast. This is, is it armedup.com? Dot net, Dot brother. Net. Thank you. I wasn't going to go that far, okay. but you took us there. <laughs> Steve, so. Steve did not. No, Thank Steve, you. Wait, that sign you're holding up yeah. tells me to... Oh, I'm sorry. Please say... So... I'm a pastor at Trinity Church in Joppa, Maryland, but I have this little side business and uh, what I do there is uh, I, I train people in handgun operation. So if you want to, um, if you want to get the little card that you need in the state of Maryland to be able to buy or rent or receive, like from a loan, a handgun, you have to take a four-hour course. I teach that course. If you want to get a permit to conceal carry in Maryland, that's a sixteen-hour course. Hmm. I teach that course. So. I regularly have courses, one of those or the other, or different other kinds of courses as well. And uh, in all of them, there's a live fire component. We have a, a range. We go to a range and do some firing and um, a lot of class time, a lot of Maryland gun law that we cover. So, I, you know, I like this topic. I'm interested. Sweet. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. And a returning guest, albeit uh, over a year now since yeah. he's been with us, uh, Bill Heidel. Bill, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks. It's great to have you back on and um, just, you know, we got a little bit of information, uh, kind of a different side of things last year. So give us a little bit um, this this year, this time that you're on, tell us just about your uh, time and experience with guns and the qualifications you have. Absolutely. Uh, we'll go way back. Um, I guess like a lot of American boys always had kind of the fascination with uh, cowboys and Indians, grew up kind of in a family where that was fine. Um with my father, you know, shot a BB gun early age, and that was where it sort of started with firearms. Uh, that said, my dad was not one who owned a gun, didn't have one in the house. Same here. Uh, oh. Right? Didn't, wasn't what you would call a firearm guy, and aside from BB guns, occasionally, you know, shooting a bird or a squirrel or things that I shouldn't have shot back then or, <laughs> yeah. or breaking bottles with the BB gun for marksmanship, I really didn't have anything to do with firearms until I entered the Navy. And um, at the Navy, actually did our basic handgun training, which at the time was a Model 1911 firearm that they uh, give you a 22 caliber uh, conversion for, mm. just to make sure you know the safety, you can handle it, you're not even really shooting the full power of a 45 at the time. But as I was stationed on a submarine, had the opportunity to qualify as boat marksman. Um, just from a basic qualification was identified as someone who had some skill to him. Didn't know I did, yeah. uh, shot that qualified really easy and qualified for expert in handguns. So you get the little right. E on your ribbon in there as nice. well. Sweet. And, um, also qualified basic for shotgun and then M14. And that led to some security reaction force training. They called it back then when I was in the Navy, I'm dating myself a little bit, but, um, that was about the extent of mine. No Navy SEAL, nothing more spectacular right. than that. And um, I've always carried that sort of fondness for it. I consider myself an enthusiast mm -hmm. with uh, guns, own them myself, but then parlayed that into more of the sports shooting. So, yeah. you know, skeet, trap, love that from the shotgun sport. 
uh, levied that into IDPA shooting. For those who don't know, it's International Defensive Pistol Association. Um, do some steel challenge, which is a USSCA, uh, which is just setting stationary targets for speed and accuracy mm-hmm. at the same time. And really enjoy doing that. Um, nice. Not a teacher at all, by any sense. And uh, would really consider that uh, a hobbyist mm-hmm. of mine. Wow. Yeah. Nathan, I know you haven't asked me about my experience. Greg, uh, guns. water guns. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, also, uh, the super squirter. Or I'd like to say in middle school. I was pretty good with spitballs and straw. I had <laughs> some start. pretty good talent. Basic marksmanship. I will say, watch me name drop. I have been personally safety instructed by one Bill Heidel. <laughs> what was yeah. that, Bill? What, what, when did we do that? That was a couple months ago. Yeah, I want to say it was maybe June, early May, or I mean late May. I think it was even earlier than that. I want to say it might so? have been back in March. Oh Seems wow, like it was a while back. That's a, well, several months. Yeah, we had a, a good day, and we went to. Um, your range, uh, and it was man. Your uh, emphasis on safety was stellar. I mean, you just kept <laughs> probably because he knew he was taken. <laughs> yeah. yeah, one factor. Like, Notice Steve hasn't trained me at all, but uh, Bill took me there, and you just—I uh, mean, all the stuff that obviously the entire time the gun is pointed down <clears throat> towards the targets. You never turn it side to side. All that kind of good stuff. You were very clear on, very good. And I'll tell you what, man, it was. Uh, it was cool. I got an appreciation for the power uh, of those weapons. And what kind uh, of gun were you guys shooting that day? Uh, we shot a few. Yeah, it was right? three. Right? Yeah. R- remind me, Bill, because uh, somebody asked me recently, and I was like, "Well, one was big, <laughs> and one was kind of small, and one was like medium size." Okay, so there it is. It's like Goldilocks. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> so I wanted to give him kind of a you know wide range of exposure there. Uh, I think we did the twenty two little caliber pistol to start. That's right. Because that's where I started trying mm-hmm. them. So and that's the Walther P twenty two. Something nice. I trained my kids with, uh, just for the discipline and safety aspects as well. You know, no kick, easy to handle. Yeah. Um, went from there. I let them shoot my handgun, which is an FNX forty that I had. Now that one that you would start to say was bigger, right? Yes, uh, it was. Had some I kick. That you've got to That'll control kick. that. Yeah. Yep. You've got a little snappy when yes. it shoots, right? Not quite the nine millimeter. But then um threw a couple treats in there. So I got him that big ugly bag gun, the AR fifteen and <laughs> also in twenty two caliber. So I, yeah. I didn't start him off right away with the two two three. But uh we did that, and then I finished them off with just a twenty gauge shotgun. To let yeah. them see mm-hmm. one of our uh, so one of our tactical fun. shotguns, so eighteen and a half inch barrel, something small that he could work with. So, Steve, now you understand what all those things mean, pretty much. And are you impressed with me? Okay, uh, <laughs> yeah, Steve's like, yeah, yeah, you look great today. <laughs> Probably got lettuce in my teeth or something. Uh, uh, no, but funny. it was. Um, it was neat. Uh, I've only done that twice. I did it, well, I don't know how much I should say. I did it one time 20 years ago with a friend in a, I will say, an informal manner. I'll just say that. Uh. Uh, and then this was a very formal, right? you know, proper, and it was it was cool. I had, uh, nice. had an appreciation. I, I will say, Nathan, to your intro, we, uh, I thought you um, um, gave a good intro to tonight's episode. I mean, could there be... <laughs> A more fraught with complication event yeah. mm-hmm. than what happened in Orlando two weeks ago. Because you've got... Well, first of all, 
you had the trifecta because you had the right. the young girl yeah. Kimmy, I can't remember her last name, who was was shot and killed. Yeah, who was a voice, voice contestant. Yeah. Then you had the tragic shooting in a club, yeah. and then you had the and it was unrelated guns, but the little boy, little boy and yeah. the alligator, which is one of the most disturbing, heartbreaking stories. Heard so you got Orlando. The city is is just devastated yeah. in, in one weekend, basically with. Uh, three years worth of scandalous yeah. kind of uh, rocking news stories. But then the, the shooting itself in the nightclub, I mean, uh, Lisa and I were talking about this and like, wait a minute, in, in one fell swoop, we're in an election year where there, when there's blood in the water and an opportunity for advancement uh, yeah. uh, to denounce the other side, whatever, you've got uh, the gun issue, the, the Muslim issue, and the gay issue mm-hmm. in the same All in one. Yeah. Wow. Talk about hot. It's probably impossible. I just want all our listeners, as much as we're going to try, obviously our hearts go out to everybody yeah. who has suffered, particularly the families of, of those those folks that, that were just so savagely killed. Um, but we realize that we are not experts. We're going to try to walk this tightrope tonight yeah. in a reasonable, clear-headed way. But, yeah, it's probably in a situation that volatile, there's going to be some people that – Maybe you're yeah. upset as long as people know it's not what we're trying. To do. Right, right, so. right. And and as we said at the beginning, we're you know we will bring Orlando into this, but simply as a case study. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're not we're not here to talk about you know anything else um, in regard to that. Um, but Greg, uh, you know this this is where it always gets a little weird because dude, the, the dude won't go away. And it may have been my fault this time, fellas. I Let's tweeted say. today oh, that we were doing not thinking, and I always forget the Reverend James King does apparently he always makes reference to this like research team. I know. So while you get the impression Reverend James King has probably never gone on the internet in his life, yeah, he must have some henchmen. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this room isn't bugged. Right. Well, we're starting to wonder. We were blaming mm-hmm. Dave Shive, and believe me, Dave Shive is worthy of much criticism. That's right. For many issues. <laughs> so he's not off the hook. Right. Oh, no, no, no. He's, he's never going to be off the hook. We'll, we'll grow him on the 100th um, episode. We'll ask him about that. Um, what if Dave Shive was Reverend James King? Well, Ooh. I'm just throwing out a theory. Not saying it is, but what if he were? That would be crazy. Wow. But Conspiracy um, abounds. I, I listened to this voicemail he left on our answering machine earlier today. Uh, he knows that the you know myself, you Nathan, you yeah. Steve have been pretty regular. Apparently, I don't think he was calling in when Bill was on last year. Yeah, it's been no. more recent. Yeah, he heard about you, Bill. Oh, um, and he's got some things to say, not just about you, but about this issue in general. Um, and uh, with no further ado, here is uh, the Reverend James King. Reverend James King of the James King, King James, a Bible-believing, teaching, preaching ministry. Friends, sometimes something happens as simple as over aisle. Uh, 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 the stars align in such an ungodly way that the man of God cannot keep silent. <laughs> oh, friends, the King James Bible is burning up inside of me like fire in my bones tonight. And in the words of First Kings 16.11, that's right, friends. Did you notice that verse? God's favorite verse. Kings, as in King James, 1611, as the year when God finally penned his perfect translation for the world to read. (laughs) As that verse says, friends, it's time for me to take what is boiling up inside of my innards and piss it against the wall. (laughs) And just who am I going to direct my 
my holy stream against tonight. Well, I've, <laughs> I've spent enough time talking about these three rejects. Uh, Mr. Nathan, head down to my backside, beat Nick Hippie Bell, get a haircut, son. <laughs> and then there's that. Reverend Steve, I can't accept that I'm 60, so I'll immerse my body in the devil's ink heartland. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Mr. Summer's Eve himself, Greg Ducey. Oh, oh, I'm going to go no. after the absolute fool who's joining them. Now, this man's name will tell you everything you need to know. It's it's Bill Heidel. Did you hear that, friend? Bill Heidel. Now, now you know that's not his real name. Uh, uh, his real name is probably something true to his character, like uh, Poindexter or, or Dickie. <laughs> 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 That's my brother's name. <laughs> accidentally confuse him with, with one of the devil's favorite pastors, Bill Hybels. That's right, that <laughs> pastor of that Wussy Creek community church in Land, Illinois. Oh, oh, oh Wussy Creek. This bill, I want to be like Pastor Billy Hybels, is on tonight. And and, and, and the only set of credentials uh, that my research team can find on this this Oscar Mayer weenie of a man is that he is an elder. That's right. Here, friends, elder. Now, friends, godly Bible-believing churches don't have elders. They have deacons. But this man is an elder at Greg. I can't preach my way out of a wet paper bag Dutchess church. <laughs> saying they're they're having a special guest on tonight whose whose only expertise is uh, uh emptying out the portable toilets outside of that engine <laughs> casino out on highway 27 <laughs> well, uh, apparently this man is joining this little sissified Cirque de Soleil tonight to talk about guns can, can you believe that friends uh, friends these men talking about guns are like a group of women talking about automotive maintenance <laughs> oh, friends i bet these men have never fired anything more powerful in their lives than a little made in china water pistol <laughs> in fact i want to urge you not to waste your time with this uh, vile anti-god cast and instead you should listen to the wisdom of the deacons at the King James Bible Tabernacle. <laughs> Friends, those men could put on a clinic when discussing guns. In, in, in fact, to be a deacon at God's favorite church, not only do you have to meet all the necessary uh, uh, Bible qualifications in the uh, first, uh, uh, first ever, husband of one wife, uh, uh, not giving over the alcohol like these vile brothers, <laughs> of course, uh, as the text tells us, being a registered Republican. <laughs> we've also added one more qualification that the Apostle Paul simply forgot to write down. That's right, friends. See, every deacon at the tabernacle is not only an expert marksman, but is a card-carrying member of God's favorite organization, the NRA. I urge you to these nincompoops. In fact, I want to talk to all the fathers in the audience that have boys that need to man up. In fact, there's a little time left. Space is filling up quickly, though. A little time left to come down to the tabernacle and, Father, sign up your 12-year-old sons for this year's King James Bible Tabernacle, King James Bible School Gun Camp experience. <laughs> That's right, friends. It sounds like you thought about it. Yeah. Where your little 
sissy boys will learn to be men who can shoot any target on a moment's notice. In <laughs> fact, uh, your boys can't graduate this elite program till they've gone through our, our tabernacle target course where they'll face such unspeakably wicked cardboard enemies propped up throughout that woodland. Oh, we have a whole bunch of them, friends. We've got girly Gregs. A group of gun control Democrats coming out with their little petitions to sign. Uh, we've got Pansy Peters, uh, bleeding heart liberals holding up their signs that say, Give peace a chance. Of course, they won't stand a chance because your boys will be wearing our required t shirts that say, Give hot lead a chance. <laughs> We're top of that option, of course, is what we call Hell's Headquarters. And the only way through that cesspool is to take out all the all the demon crats circling the perimeter with their silly signs and penetrate the heart of that fortress and finally end up burning life-size replicas of Bernie Sanders and Hillary Rotten Clinton. Who make men out of your little panzer boys this summer? Now, quick word to mom. Some of the mommies worry about their little boys getting homesick. Well, we just want to let you know, don't call. Don't you dare call when little Tommy misses his mommy. In fact, we take all those little crying boys and we make men out of them. In fact, if you get a call from one of our camp counselors, no, it's just a phone call, moms, informing you that your little pansy boy is being beaten with a tree branch in accordance with care policy or being locked in an outhouse with a live beehive until he cries himself dry. Oh, man. You be sure to check out this camp where your boys will not only learn how to shoot, but they'll learn about the sweet love of Jesus. <laughs> Man, Bill, is that like is that where you learned how to shoot? I tell you what, we'll just throw all sensitivity yeah. out the window. Compassion is gone already. Every stereotype's on the table. I was going to say, so Reverend James, it's our effort to be compassionate. That's I don't right. think the Reverend James King was as concerned. Oh my! And I tell you what, and you can tell he's a rather large man by yeah. how, how he kept like sucking in air as he was saying different pieces. He did seem like he was doing that a lot. Right? He did. He was excited about that. That's an interesting theory, though. The vacation Bible school gun camp. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if churches might start instituting that. Uh, that would be it. Would be interesting. Mm. Did he and so, uh, Jerry wow. Falwell go to the same right. seminary? <laughs> Here we go. I like the setup to the transition, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Bill, but it's is it true that your name's really not Bill? You're trying to be Bill Hybels? Is that the? Uh, you know, if I can steal just a little fame, yeah, I was going to say that, <laughs> that would probably be the direction I would have to steal <laughs> wow, from. But uh, no, no association. Man, he was on fire. I never thought of that though. First Kings sixteen eleven is the pisseth against that the wall. That is verse. awesome. Isn't that wild? Yeah, Kings sixteen eleven. I need to memorize that verse in, <laughs> I know. in the King James version. <laughs> yes. How can you forget yeah. it? Say, it only works in the King James. I was actually telling my wife about that verse the other day. Yeah, and she would she wouldn't believe me. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought I, I was think, making that up. Well, my wife didn't believe it either. Uh, and I said no, and I showed her. So you got to bring out that old King James. Yeah. Yeah. To get that. Absolutely. Oh man, dude. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. How do you transition, yeah. man? <laughs> really? How do you transition? Um, Why don't we? Um, why don't we go ahead and start and look at what Scripture has to say about um, citizens carrying weapons? Um, because I think I think it's important that whatever we talk about, we want to establish is there is there anything biblical behind it? Because obviously that's going to take precedent against anything that's said 
um, opinion or otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, um, Steve, Bill, just want to turn it over to you guys. Um, you know, yes, no. If there is, you know, can you kind of show us and and let us explore that a little bit? And if there isn't, then you know, we're going to quickly just move into the next uh, next question. So, um, Steve, we'll let you go ahead and first. You know, do you see a uh, you know, biblical verse or precedent that, you know, kind of talks about mandates, you know, us as citizens being able to to carry weapons. Well, I wouldn't say there's anything that mandates that we carry weapons, but I think there certainly is biblical precedent for private citizens owning and using weapons, both in the Old Testament and in the New mm-hmm. So uh, I, I want to leave some for you. So you probably have some of the same references in mind. But uh, just in a very general way, in the Old Testament, just get a concordance. Do people still have concordances? Those are gone, aren't <laughs> yeah, they? I mean, <laughs> since software and stuff. All so their phones. A yeah. concordance was great. You look up every reference to the word sword, and they're all listed there. And, and many times it says, let every man take up his own sword. So it's not like if you're going to join the army of Israel, they didn't have a big armory somewhere, and they would issue you your government-issued sword. You had to bring your sword. So you had a sword. Every man had a sword. That's equivalent to every man today has a gun. We don't fight with swords. We fight with guns. So You don't fight with swords. <laughs> yeah, you do. You ninja man over there. Speak for yourself. Uh-huh. And, of course, in the New Testament, when it's time for the uh, Roman guard to take our Lord Jesus and – you know, take him away and beat him and put the crown of thorns on him and hang him on the cross. Uh, Peter draws out his sword, sword yeah, yeah. goes for the head of the high priest's servant, yeah. uh, misses. The guy probably ducks. He gets his ear. Jesus puts his ear back on. And I, I know this is an argument from silence, but Jesus nowhere says, Peter, what on earth are you doing with a sword, man? Mm-hmm. Haven't I told you a thousand times? We don't believe in that. We don't do that. No, it was perfectly normal that Peter had a sword. He was armed on the spot carrying a sword. He was not in the army. He's not a police officer. He's a private citizen. And he's going to protect the Lord mm-hmm. from people who are going to do it. He's actually protect him from the government. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? And then there's the other time where uh, Jesus tells his disciples, you know, we're going out on this journey, get some swords. And they get a couple of swords, and he says, all right, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need too many swords. We've got to yeah. carry these things. They weigh a lot. Yeah. But he told them to actually get swords. Mm-hmm. Now, why, did, was that to cut their cheese? <laughs> you know, what, was that, what, what are you getting swords for? Speaking to poke of fish? The or... <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on. Oh, I'm no. sorry. Go on, brother. I should have chosen a different. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Nathan and I did have Mexican before tonight. We did, didn't we, brother? But... We did. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So um, I, I'll, I'll leave that. Maybe you have some others. Got some others? Yeah, no, you hit the main ones, right, that we, we look to. I think um, the other place I'll point to, maybe back in some Old Testament reference, right, Esther. You look mm-hmm. at Esther 8 and 9, and, um, you know, when faced with an evil threat, the civilians themselves were told to take up weapons. And they took up not only the sword that we would think of, maybe even paralleling to a sidearm, mm-hmm. right, like we would have today. But they took up the bow, and they took up the spear as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I would even go so far as to submit that you could consider those assault weapons of the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Those were weapons of war yeah. as part of it. And, um, you know, it was in response to an oppressive government mm-hmm. that came back. Uh, it was certainly in response to clear evil. But I would say it was all, right? And every time you see these, it's under the guidance and in the trust of God, mm-hmm. right? So they're, they're being done under that direction. It's not just for personal gain or for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's even the David and Goliath story. Mm-hmm. You know, David was a pretty good marksman with that little sling of his, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And I know he was acting as part of the army at that point. But how did he get so good with that sling? Yeah. That was one of the weapons of the day. So he's been using and using and using a sling. And I, I know it was, he's using it primarily on animals mm-hmm. who would get his sheep. But nonetheless, that's the same as me using a gun on, say, a dog that would attack me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A friend of mine is a police officer. A dog attacked him. Really? He had to draw on fire. Draw on fire. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, just to throw this out, Nathan, I don't want to take away your, your flow. This takes us down too obscure of a path. That's fine. You guys can kill it. But um, – Steve, you said you would say uh, you're not so sure it's mandated, but it's allowed. Mm. I thought, Bill, I saw you kind of nodding. Absolutely. Saying the same thing. Just your guys' thoughts then. Uh, I'm assuming, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm assuming a country uh, that's rather oppressive towards its citizens, say like North Korea, mm-hmm. I think would probably be a fairly safe bet. Uh, you're a Christian in North Korea. You... Uh, Maybe get the notion uh, from some of those texts. Well, people in the Bible times, Old New Testament, carried weapons. The government says, I cannot carry a weapon, which I'm just going to say for the sake of argument is probably the policy in North Korea. If I'm wrong, just use it as an Wouldn't illustration. It. But I, I can't imagine that they would They don't want their it. people to have guns, do they? No, no. What would your guys' thoughts be on that as an individual Christian in that kind of country where it's illegal do you feel there's enough biblical um, data on the table that a person could say, well, I'm going to own one anyway because I've got biblical warrant, sort of a obey God over man thing? Just curious, either of you guys. So first thing that comes to my mind is the um, authority that's God ordained. right? Mm-hmm. And um, this comes up a lot, at least in my mind, when I hear the gun control piece, right? Uh, the stigmatism that can come along with gun enthusiasts or gun supporters mm-hmm. are that they're, you know, conspiracy theories. You're worried the Second Amendment was there to so that the citizens maintain control over government, mm-hmm. you know, versus the government maintaining control over citizens. And you can instantly go to this not of respecting authority. Yeah. Right. So I think that there's a component that's clear in there about following the laws, those being God-ordained, and we need to factor that into our decision. Yeah. When you come to you know, uh, personal protection in a co- country where you are then breaking the law before you can protect yourself with those, mm-hmm. I think that's a, a whole different thing. When you go into that country, you understand the laws that are in place. Mm-hmm. I'm going in, if I'm going in there with the trust of the Holy Spirit – Right, and under that unction, and I'm putting my trust not in that firearm at my side at that point in time, but I'm putting my trust in the Lord mm-hmm. and what He has me do. I don't think I'd be carrying it in that condition. Okay. Yeah, I totally agree. In fact, you don't have to go to North Korea, just go to Maryland. <laughs> right. Well, in yeah. Maryland, yeah. it's not legal for you to buy, rent, or receive a handgun unless you have a handgun qualification license. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not legal for you to carry unless you have a carry permit. Right. So, should you buy anyway, or should you borrow anyway, or should you carry anyway? No. Yeah. No, it's against the law. We're supposed to be law abiding citizens. Uh-huh. And if it means I die because I'm a law abiding citizen, I've honored Christ and I go to heaven. Okay. By good. grace. Very good. Good talk. So, since we've uh, established. You know that that the Bible uh, doesn't mandate, but even at times supports the ability to to carry uh, arms in, when it's appropriate, when it's legal. Let's look at two of the main Christian figures that have been more prominent in the news recently for promoting and for uh, rejecting this notion. So, the two that we're talking about, uh, Jerry Falwell Jr., uh, who basically uh you know enticed isis to come on campus so that 
you know, all the Christians who own guns can open fire on them. Certainly dared them, right? Right. <laughs> um, and then John Piper, who almost takes a very pacifistic point of view when it comes to bearing bearing arms and carrying weapons and, and how we should approach that. So we're, we're going to be talking about these two as extremes because um, looking at it, anyone can <laughs> fall in the middle. But these seem to be two extremes, and I don't think anyone would doubt – well. I'm sure there were there are those who would doubt uh, their salvation, their you know allegiance to Christ. But I I know for the us Reverend four James in here, King would. yeah, mm-hmm. I bet he would. He would. Um, for us four in here, I, I believe that these men are um, you know Bible believing individuals sure. who who want to honor God, um, but they're approaching it from two different perspectives. And so let's let's just talk about them and and your thoughts on the way they approach uh, this this uh, whole dilemma yes well um i think we'll all agree that the, you know the jerry falwell situation is unfortunate mm-hmm. it kind of gives a black eye to christians and guns and even in a sense to liberty university which is a great place mm-hmm. that's where my wife went to hey, hey there you go graduate of liberty fine woman came yeah. out of that place so uh it's unfortunate i think he could have done the same thing he could have accomplished the same end hey we're going to offer gun courses any students who want them he could have done that in a very wise and responsible way and this mm-hmm. just seemed kind of Silly mm-hmm. and rash and cavalier, well thought out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit uh, sensationalistic. Yeah, uh, some yeah. hubris going on there. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's very unfortunate. I don't mind that a school would offer handgun training. In fact, that, that's a pretty cool idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, do it with humility and grace mm-hmm. and patience, and none of this cocky attitude. Like, yeah, I dare them to come here. We'll get them. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing you want when you're carrying a handgun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to be the person who de-escalates every situation mm-hmm. you possibly can. Yeah. You want to back out of it, get out of it, talk your way out of it, run from it. Last thing you ever want to do is draw and shoot anybody. Yeah. So um, I don't like the way he did that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Bill? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I think I shared with you guys, too, when we were talking a little bit about it. I, I really liked Piper's opening to mm-hmm. this. Right, And I have the quote here since you asked about it. It says, the issue is not primarily about when and if a Christian may ever use force in self-defense or if the defense of one family or friends. There are significant situational ambiguities in the answer to that question. The issue is about the whole tenor and focus and demeanor and heart attitude of the Christian life. Does it accord with the New Testament to encourage the attitude that says, I have the power to kill you in my pocket, so don't mess with me? <laughs> right? So I, I love That's a good that. good opening, yeah. Right? I love that. I thought his opening was good. Um, where I would depart from Piper, and though. Then? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Where I would depart from Piper is I think he took something that was very personal to himself. Yeah. And he stated it in a way that gives the opinion that everyone should accord to that same way. This right? is not the only time I've noticed that tendency. <laughs> that really? done that. That's happened before? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, go on, Brother Bill. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. Right. and specifically with the, um, you know, the pacifist, I think where I really departed is when he basically said, look, this person's coming to my house to murder and steal from me. He's obviously not ready to meet his maker. I'm ready to meet my maker, so I would share the gospel with him, and if he kills me, then I go. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that that's really devoid of some, I guess, more far-reaching understanding or more in-depth understanding, right? And the issue that you actually deal with and wrestle with. person's in there to do, do you harm. It's obvious about that. He may be ready. Is his granddaughter ready? Is mm-hmm. she in the house with him at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what about that person 
um, has God given him the capabilities and the capacity to stop this person who's obviously mm-hmm. bent on evil and destruction, mm-hmm. right? And, and does he stop him from then going on and murdering or killing yeah, or continuing his mm-hmm. his crime spree, right? And we see that over and over again in the Bible. So, I, um, you know, while I don't find fault with Piper for sharing his own opinion, I thought his article was devoid of some of these deeper issues that mm-hmm. could have been discussed to show and support his first statement that there is significant situational ambiguity involved mm-hmm. in trying to make these decisions and Mm -hmm. i go back all the time that say as a christian these things should not be done devoid of the holy spirit and understanding and following god Mm -hmm. with the specific shape that he's created you in yeah Yeah. right yeah well and bill to your point i think i think it is important to note what you said about the ability because as far as i know piper does not have the ability to do this he's not trained in uh, any type of, of defensive tactics. He's not uh, gun trained. So his ability is more limited. And so I can understand that point of view where you and Steve have the ability to, to defend yourselves with firearms. I have the ability to defend myself empty hand. There is a different responsibility placed on us, I believe, if we find ourselves in that situation. And you touched on that. Well, it's not just limiting it to, am I ready to meet my maker? And this person isn't. But what about 10 people down the road that this person ends up attacking? Mm -hmm. Are those people ready to meet their maker? Um, And so I really really like the way you phrase that and put that um, in the context of, of what Piper said. Yeah, I, I, I do too. We were talking uh, earlier tonight, um, uh, Nathan, Bill, and I, uh, about this very issue. I Let me come at this from a different angle. This is going to sound a little maybe strange on the surface of it. Uh, when my daughter was about 13 or 14, my oldest daughter is 17 now, she had learned about Columbine. Obviously, mm-hmm. she, was, uh, well, she was four months old, I think, when it happened in April of 99. But, uh, you know, she asked about it. She knew there was uh, a Christian song that came out of it. I think mm-hmm. Michael W. Smith did a song. Cassie, I believe, was the girl's mm-hmm. name, who's, who said yes. Uh, she said yes. Um, try, I'm going to try to tie some of these loose threads together. Um, I, I want to be very careful. I'm going to walk a tightrope <laughs> here. I don't personally believe if I'm confronted with a person who's mentally deranged, and they ask me, do I believe in Jesus or something like that? I don't know what people think. I'm just going to throw it out there. I have no problem myself as a survival tactic in that place that this person is mentally unstable to say no. Mm. I have no problem with that. Now, I'm not denigrating those kids at Columbine by any means. I'm not expecting them to have a sophisticated theology of response in an unspeakable tragedy. I'm just looking at it theoretically as it unfolds. It's one thing if you're a first century Christian and yes, the uh, apparatus of the Roman government has organized itself to exterminate mm. Christianity from the face of the earth. Mm. That's intelligent. It's thoughtful. Mm. Uh, there's a determinism there that, that has to be dealt with. And I think there is the opportunity to stand and, and um, you know uh, defend your faith. I think that's what we're called to do in that situation. Person, you know, a little bit different case breaks into someone's home Mm. you're not out in the business of the proclamation of the gospel so to me the turn the other cheek picture there Mm -hmm. it it does not apply in that situation Mm -hmm. if my wife is getting assaulted i mean i have no training guys except i'm a big guy 
So I'm going to try to do something, right? Uh, you know, to, to the person that's doing it. I'm not going to encourage. Hey, at least Jesus said we would be. Hey, that's uh, that person doesn't know that you're a Christian, a Buddhist, an atheist. Doesn't care. You're yeah. a uh, prey to that person. Yeah. They are trying to harm you to get something for themselves. And I do believe there is justifiable self-defense. How, how does that sit with you two dudes tonight, our guests? Yeah, as a, as a matter of fact, it, it resonates. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, a little bit of cunning of serpents kind mm-hmm. of comes in there mm-hmm. as well, right? But, um, you know, even the break into the house, something that you said kind of clued another kind of biblical reference. I think it's Exodus 22 where they talk about if a thief breaks into your house at night and you kill him, there's no blood debt. Right. Yeah. Right. right. And Earth then, but if it's during the day and you kill him, it has to be examined and you yeah. might have a blood debt. And I think what that really speaks to, too, once again, though, is that sanctity of life. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they're saying a thief who's going to steal property, they're not authorizing deadly force for property. Yeah. Right. But they're authorizing that deadly force for protection of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think there's even that distinction in mm-hmm. there that you can put in. And so when you have protection of life in this case, um, you're being cunning as serpents, you know, you're obedient. Not that I, I sound super charismatic and those that know me, I'm not. But and you're being obedient and you're listening right uh, to the Holy Spirit at that time and that point in time. Does he want you to be a witness? This, you know, this girl really has been a witness for sure. many people. No doubt. Right? So certainly there could have been a purpose there, but I also would not fault someone who in doing that, you know, would say, no, well, I'm, so. I'm going to do this and then maybe even try to get my way out of this circumstance, yeah. hit them with a book, whatever I got, right, right, right. To, to try to survive this. Yeah, well said. So uh, a question we ask is, is it all right for Christians to defend themselves in mm-hmm. such circumstances? And yeah, I certainly believe it is. And this is a place where I think Piper really goes wrong. I agree with you, Bill. He really started off great. I like mm-hmm. the way he nuanced that. And then it went downhill real fast for me. It was one of those situations where I think we want to build a case for something. We don't have scripture, so we try real hard to you know, womp <laughs> up a case. And the closest he came, I think, to really using scripture was when he pointed out that uh, the New Testament says, uh, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Yeah. He says, Paul calls Christians not to avenge themselves, but gives the sword to a small number of civil servants, Romans 13. God has given government the sword. Well, the fact that God has given government the sword doesn't mean nobody else can have one. Right. It's just right. the government has a sword, which right. is an implement of death, by the way. That's death penalty. God has a warranted death penalty for the government. That doesn't mean nobody else can have a sword. But the really confusing thing of using that reference is it's about vengeance, yeah. Now, vengeance is not self-defense. Yeah, right. Vengeance is, you hurt me, I'm going to find you and get get even. Yeah. Vengeance is three days later, or a week later, or a month later, or a year later. Yeah, I'm yeah, just steaming angry at you, and I'm going to get even. So that passage talks about vengeance. It doesn't talk about leave self-defense to the Lord. Right. Yeah. right? The Lord uses means, and one means of defending myself, my wife, my kids, my grandkids, and anybody else around me is means. He puts means in my hands. Yeah. So you would use your hands, which are lethal weapons, Nathan. They're registered, right? Registered with the state of Maryland, lethal weapons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yes. played the fifth. And, yeah, right. and, Steve, my hands are lethal weapons. Nathan saw me uh, going after those chips and salsa tonight, <laughs> and you didn't come near those hands, brother. Uh, they were moving like lightning. Now, now, yeah. Yes. So, but go right. on, brother. I. Stole your thunder there. No, well, th- that was pretty much it. Um, just I wanted to make that distinction between Pipe, one of Piper's main points, Excellent vengeance, point. yeah, that, and yeah. self-defense. Self-defense and vengeance two very different should not things. be equating. 
Very true. It's Maybe confusing. just let me drop a punctuation point in there because we might come back to that sure. later, right? When you get to more of the, um, I, I guess, the less moral aspects and a little bit more maybe political societal aspects you know who do you give the right and responsibility for self-defense to mm-hmm. good yeah yeah let's hey yeah go ahead Steve. speaking of self-defense may i, I want to go back to orlando for a moment sure, and you sure. know with with all respect and sorrow for everything that happened there just you know please put lots of that in right now yeah i, I do want to say you know Almost whenever, maybe whenever these things happen, the, the gunman has targeted a place with a lot of population and no guns. No, not one person in there apparently had a gun. In fact, it's noteworthy. This is a guy with a uh, semi-automatic rifle, and he's pointing it in one direction at a time. There were a lot of people behind him at any mm-hmm. given time. Not one of them tried to take the guy down. Yeah. Nobody tried to oppose yeah. him. Nobody tried to stop him. The guy was just, I guess, out of fear. I can understand that. Sure. Maybe out of fear if I was there. I wouldn't have tried either. Uh-huh. I'd like to think I would have tried. Mm-hmm. I got on an airplane a couple of times the past couple of days to go to a wedding somewhere, and I was I was coming up with my mental plan. If something bad goes down uh-huh. up there or back here, <laughs> yeah. here's what I'm going to do. Right? Yeah. Living I'm, in orange. Yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. Uh, I'd like to think I would do something in such a situation and coerce other people to help me and do it with me. But anyway, they didn't do that. And, you know, you expect me to say this. What would the situation have looked like if 25 people in there were well-trained and carrying? Mm -hmm. All right, that that guy with his semi-automatic rifle would have taken out a couple of people, but not 53 Uh and another 50 or whatever wounded. Uh, People might have been able to stop him. Right. Yeah. Uh, much earlier. So yeah. I'm really an advocate for citizens arming themselves mm-hmm. for the protection of others yeah. as well as yourself, your family, and well so said. on. Not that we want to be vigilantes, mm-hmm. not right. that we view ourselves right. as the police. I'm not the protector of the population. But if I am somewhere and something bad starts going down, I can stop the guy, maybe, and right. thus protect a lot of other people. Yeah. Right. Well, Steve, I think that's. An especially important point to make. I mean, we're hearing things today come out that says, you know, there was an immediate response team of local police that were on the scene within minutes, but they had to hold up for over 20 minutes waiting for SWAT to come on orders, mm-hmm. right? At those times, I mean, there's a lot that can occur in 20 minutes with or someone with a semi-automatic oh, yeah. weapon, yeah. Wow. right? And, and we don't know what occurred through there, but um, even the SWAT officers, this was a two to three hour standoff. Right. So even in those cases where and, um, you know, I'll use a quote from that dreaded organization, the NRA, but even where a a good guy with a gun shows up. Right. And it's the authority good guy with a gun that shows up. It could be an extreme length of time before that situation is brought to closure because of protocols and procedures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I'm a huge supporter of the police wherever we are. Mm -hmm. I like the police. I'm sure there are some bad guys in them, but I think most of them are good guys. But the police are minutes away at best, and bad things happen fast when the guy has a pistol or a rifle. Well, and even to your point, uh, them being minutes away, um, even when they get there, they still have to follow procedures because their lives are important too. That's Mm -hmm. right. And so if – you know, to your point, Bill – they're not in tactical gear. They're not ready to go in and face that kind of firepower. They're told to stand down because Mm -hmm. it's no good to send more people in to the slaughter. Yeah, to die. That's right. That's right. Well, since that came up, guys, let me give you, again, my simpleton understanding. Um, when I was a, a, first became a believer and then started to sort of 
Lauren, I've shared on this podcast, as you know, Nathan, many times, that like many Christians, I equated initially sort of the the conservative political right agenda with Christianity. I'm not saying there aren't common touch points. I, I know there are. Um, so early on, I remember asking a question to a friend in college. Uh, the issue of automatic or semi-automatic uh, weapons came up. And this guy was very, very bent that we should have access to those kinds of weapons. And uh, I respected the guy, very committed Christian, bright, knew the Constitution well. So I I just said, oh, okay, um, here I am. I'm 45. I, I, I'm, I, I can tell of all four guys in this room, I'm the, the least knowledgeable of this. So I'm really enjoying hearing you guys talk about it. I look at it very simply. I... I guess there's a big part of me that just thinks, does does anybody but a SWAT team, the military, the police need weapons like that, that can fire 60 rounds in short period of time? That's a great question, Craig. I'm glad you're asking that, too. Um, I, I think when you get to those true NFA, those National Firearm Act type weapons that are fully automatic, mm-hmm. that are regulated right that need a tax stamp in order for a private citizen to own and Mm -hmm. you have to petition for many months and go through even more extensive background checks than we have right now in order to have them i don't know that i would make a real strong case for hunting or self-defense that you need those right right and i think that's where most people's minds go to yes Mm -hmm. however when you look at the intent of the second amendment Uh aha right and you you also weigh against it that we're in a free country. We don't want government regulating us, right, for those things. What's behind that is that the only reason why someone would have something of that nature is to do harm, mm-hmm. right? And there's almost, I think Colonel Jeff Cooper coined this phrase of hopalophobia, right, which means giving, you know, an, or attributing an evil characteristic to an inanimate object, hmm. Right, and, and I would challenge you back as you struggle with that yourself. Start thinking about: Is it the object, right? Is it what's in the hand that actually does the evil, mm-hmm. right? Is that object itself that is it an instrument of evil? Um, and I would just make the point that you know, from a Second Amendment standpoint, I, I believe that our founding fathers in the U.S. understood because they had just rebelled against a, an oppressive government that government has a tendency to want to control the people, not be by the people for the people. Mm -hmm. And therefore the check and balance that they purposely built in Mm -hmm. was that they would have the same weapons and the ability to resist the government, right? On the same terms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I take a different view of how the second amendment would come into play here. And, uh, uh, my view is more like this. Uh, the the amendment says that, uh, the government shall not infringe on our right to bear arms. Um, so does that mean if I develop a nuke, it's okay? (laughs) Uh, does that mean if I have a missile launcher, it's okay? Uh, it doesn't say I have a right to bear every single kind of arms man ever invents. I have a right to bear arms, but maybe not all kinds of arms. Mm -hmm. So what do I really need a, uh, uh, an automatic rifle for? Well, maybe if there's absolute chaos in the nation and I really do need to defend myself against who knows how many, nasty people who want my water, want my gasoline, want my car, want my whatever, my food, Mm -hmm. Um, then, you know, maybe it's nice to have one on hand. But then um, I like that 
it takes a lot of work to get. You can get one. It just takes a lot of work. Okay. There's going to be extensive background check, as you said. There's going to be tax stamps and all that. So a citizen, in many cases, can obtain one. Uh, they'd have to prove first that they really would be responsible with it. So that's not so bad. Now, as far as semi-automatic rifles, I don't have any problem whatsoever with that because they're really essentially the same as most pistols. Most pistols, you realize, are semi-automatic. They're just pistols. Mm -hmm. They fire as fast as you can pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. A semi-automatic rifle fires as fast as you can pull the trigger. The only difference is one is longer, one is shorter. So you can be a little more accurate with a rifle, do a little more harm. But most of these catastrophes are at very short range anyway. You would have been just about as accurate with a pistol. You can buy any size magazine you want. You can get a 30-round magazine to stick in your Glock handgun. It'll <laughs> stick right in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, st- It goes down to here. Yeah. And you can get a 30-round magazine to go in your semi-automatic rifle. So if I've got a little Glock with a 30-round magazine, I can just about do as much damage mm-hmm. as I can with a semi-automatic rifle. So we allow Glocks. Why not allow semi-automatic rifles? I allow them. In fact, I'm dying to buy one. I just haven't wanted to drop the coin on it yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, let me stay on this issue uh, with the Second Amendment bill that you had mentioned. And obviously, Steve, you said you kind of come at it a little bit differently. My friend, who is very knowledgeable on these things, who first put this on my mind in college, would, would appeal to that too. So I'm just sort of playing devil's advocate here or just throwing out thoughts. Yeah, like in 1770, say, mm-hmm. you know, 1775, you know, leading up to 1776, I'm, I'm thinking of the weapons that were available. Mm-hmm. And the weapons that are available today, which it's almost unfair to put that burden, I realize, on the founders because they couldn't envision how far technology would take us today. But um, I've always thought, and and this is a really sticky issue here, like I guess in my simpleton mind, I view it like it's impossible to fight back against the federal government today. (laughs) Obviously, I'm not advocating that. I want to be very clear. But, I mean, tanks, uh, guided missiles, you know, sophisticated weaponry. I just can't ever imagine the citizenry rising up. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I'm just throwing that However, out. have you noticed okay. that when we go into an eastern country uh-huh. and we bomb the daylights out of them with all our smart bombs and stupid bombs and everything else we have in tanks and missiles and so on, we still have to send guys in there on foot, on foot. to okay. go building by building, door by door, and clean out houses. And what do we meet with? Citizens who are armed to the teeth, 14-year-old boys with AK-47s. Mm-hmm. And by uh-huh. the way, um, you don't go into a crowded place over there and try to shoot people because they're all armed. Yeah. They, Interesting. When they're 12, they, they get their first AK. Or yeah. when they're 6, they get their first AK. And they walk around with them. They walk okay. around with a lot of ammo. And you just don't mess with them. So you're They saying, know to Steve, come here and mess with us. Your take is that, and I know, I'm being super good, nobody's advocating for that. We're just right, thinking we hypothetically. But unless the government decides to nuke us and wipe us out. Right. Uh, or, you know, or, or bomb us all into oblivion, which they're probably not going to do because then there's no nation left, right? right. Who's going to pay taxes then? Right. They're not going to kill us all. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to use smart bombs against us? Are they going to use all that technology against us? No, they're going to have to go building by building with their rifles against citizens' rifles if that thing ever happened, and may it never happen, right? Interesting. Interesting, yeah, Bill. made another great point that I absolutely love because um, – you know, the qualified person, right? The person that has to jump through those hoops first. I know um, 
when you hear that someone's a gun enthusiast, I think you have to resist the temptation to just line them up with, say, the NRA rhetoric. Sure. And, and just assume, right, that yeah. they're going to be stereotypically support everything. I love how, um, you know, we've talked about it, and Steve says that he thinks just that there are certain weapons that you should have, mm-hmm. and then you should be qualified and go through those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely agree with that as well, yeah. right? I don't think that everybody's created and, and mm-hmm. gifted and skilled, as Nathan said earlier, to have that, nor should they be, mm-hmm. right? I think you get in dangerous situations when you're putting those in the hands yeah. of the mentally unstable. We're seeing that right now, mm-hmm. right? I think you're... Put, you know, getting in danger when you're putting them in the hands of terrorists, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Or people that were on the terrorist watch list mm-hmm. 15 days before they go shoot up a nightclub. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that is an issue. Yeah. Um, but what I take at issue with all of this is they're not really talking about those issues. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It becomes this gun control piece. And what they're trying to do is a vilification of each side. I would say both are guilty. Yeah. The NRA is guilty of vilifying one mm-hmm. side, and then one side yeah. right is guilty of vilifying mm-hmm. the NRA, which is mm-hmm. a bunch of Americans right, mm-hmm. who are supporting their rights. I, I think the issue with the terrorist watch list is due process. How do you get on? How do you get off? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. it is not whether or not a terrorist should be permitted to buy a gun, but you'll hear that. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. That's a a good point because obviously I'm left like a lot of people just as a dude trying to figure it out. I, of course, my first question is: Wait a minute, this guy's on a watch list. How did he? Because he obtained the gun. Aren't they reporting legally? That's what I've like, read. He didn't steal oh, yeah. that gun. No, no. So he it. he's on an. And I, is the watch list an FBI thing? I'm assuming that's FBI. It's federal. It could be Homeland Security okay. and or FBI. But obviously. Um, <laughs> Significant law enforcement entities were aware mm-hmm. that this guy was a person of interest, you could say, at least. He's, he's on a watch list. So uh, I don't expect you guys to know that. But I'm thinking, wait a minute. How could a guy like that even obtain a fire or keep a firearm once you're on that list? Yeah, mm-hmm. I would be very much in favor of a guy like that not being able to obtain once he's on that list. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And. I I would share that and say there needed to be a due process for him not to be because what I am very skeptical of, right, Mm -hmm. is uh, somebody hears this podcast, um, we'll say, out of the left, okay, the Uh very far left, and they go, you know what Greg Dutcher mentioned in his podcast and his guests mentioned that, you know, citizens should have automatic weapons. I think that that's maybe a problem. So I want all those guys on the terrorist watch list. I see what you're saying. Right. You're saying – how does a person get on it to begin with? Right. And so now you That's get important. on it and they take away that that right that you have to defend yourself, which mm-hmm. is a serious thing. Right. Right. But then how do you get off? A politician decided to put you on there. And then that's not even – that's you know assuming there were some good intentions to that and that they're actually trying to protect public safety. I mean because no politician ever did anything for other than good intentions. <laughs> oh, <that's right. laughs> Pure altruism. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that's what makes it such a complicated issue, Bill, because you're right. I, I hear um, watch list. And you're right. You are kind of assuming, well, the guys that make the decision to put people on it are good-hearted, you know, uh, charitable people. And we know corruption seeps in everywhere. So it's a a complex issue. I I agree. But the – a lot of questions in this one. I know we're we're trying to avoid – because it's still a fresh 
story that's still being investigated, and there'll be a lot that comes out. But there are a lot of eyebrow-raising moments in this one. Yeah, and I could easily sit here before you today and say, if I go on Facebook and start making threats against Christians or any kind of uh, socioeconomic group, mm-hmm. right, if I start making threats against the government on my Facebook page mm-hmm. – Put me on the watch list and investigate me. Sure. I'm saying yeah. it right now. Yeah, yeah right? of course. Because that is not normal behavior. It should no way be accepted, right? And, yeah. and it's no way representative of, a, of any religious with a moral basis, right? And something that we share even from a universal morality standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, and w- I think this is related to the topic we're on now. Um, if it isn't, hey, I'm 62. I get confused. Anyway, <laughs> no, uh, uh, I am absolutely in favor of background checks. Oh, we were going to ask about that. And uh, I, I think they could even do a better job in many cases. Like things just get through the loophole somehow and things get overlooked. And uh, I, I like pretty stringent background checks. Um, so the mentally incompetent or people who are you know, known to be uh, violent, um, people who have uh, – you know, felony records for bad stuff, whatever, whatever. That ought to come up in a background check, and maybe that person gets denied yeah. purchasing what they want to. I'm also really in favor of serious training. It's interesting. Some of the most Absolutely. pro-gun states on the planet, mm-hmm. like Texas and Utah, mm-hmm. they require training uh-huh. for you to get your gun, for you to get your handgun permit at least, your carry mm-hmm. permit. Sure. Uh, Maryland requires training. I'm glad. You know, I'm a trainer. I'm a Maryland State Police certified handgun trainer. So the Maryland State Police said, this guy sitting right here, we trust him to train our citizens in handguns. Man, these people come in to me to get trained, and they scare the bejeebers out of me. (laughs) And I've got them shooting right beside me, and I'm like, I want to get home to my wife today, man. I hope this guy didn't shoot me. Uh, I keep my eyes on the gun all the time. But but such – such lack of skill and knowledge and talent and you know technique and so on. And if they were able to just, without any training, obtain a gun and carry a gun, oh, man, scary. that's well, scary. I'm not yeah. for that at yeah. all, having seen what my students are like wow. over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Even after 16 hours of training, some of them need some work. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and what a great point. I mean, you talk about the one side of the argument being that, you know, attributing evil to that inanimate object the other is making it a magic wand right uh-huh. a lot of people think hey i'll just go out and i'll buy this gun and i'll put it in my nightstand next to me and i'll load it in case somebody comes into the house uh-huh. um Good they're pretty dangerous right yeah. not to mention the fact like in newtown where somebody did that didn't secure those weapons correctly yeah. and then somebody else who was mentally uh, ill right. actually had access to those weapons and used it to do some very horrible things and affect a lot of people mm. and and to that point bill which was i mean who doesn't remember that uh just what an awful awful story mm. um what are you guys thoughts on background check uh, background checks not just say the people pass okay no criminal background no violent behavior uh, no history of sort of you know public displays of incompetence, whatever the the, the criteria might be. Uh, but they have a uh, a son or a daughter that is. What I just I'm curious. I, I know that's probably an unfair thing to put you guys on the spot. Should those people be able to obtain firearms? What do you think? Yeah. So where I sit on that is, I think you evaluate the person who's owning the firearm. Mm-hmm. And then there's a burden of responsibility and following the law that is on that person that made the petition, mm-hmm. right? So 
I would say in that case, like Newtown, I am 100% for full prosecution of the person who violated that law. Oh, okay. If yeah. they are found not to be responsible in how they secured those firearms. Okay. Because guess what? <laughs> when I go ahead and, and make that application for the gun, it's on there. It tells me that I need to secure this firearm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they provide me with locks in every single gun that comes out. That and you all the training out. you're going to get, all you're really taught how to secure that, that firearm okay. and keep it out of hands it shouldn't yep. get into. So, you know, there is it's beyond the preponderance of a doubt that you should be very aware of what you're doing, where they're at, who has access to that, and take more than reasonable um, measures to make sure that those things are locked up and secured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And if you don't, then you are liable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm exactly there. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, your guys' thoughts on um, people. Um, uh, I'm overgeneralizing, but a number of women I talk to, particularly with children, said, I would never, ever okay. want that in my house. You guys, hey, cool, got it, conviction issue, or is it important enough to you guys, you'd say, I hear you, but I want to persuade you to reconsider. I'm just curious how both you guys are responsible, yeah. smart dudes. I'd love to get your thoughts. I want to persuade her to reconsider. You do okay. want it in your house because you have children. Oh, okay. You just want to know how to handle it in your house and how to secure it in your house and when to use it and when to not use it. Yeah. So, for example, there are safes now. You're probably aware of this. Oh, there are yeah. safes now. that There are two versions of this. One version is you lay your hand on the safe. Mm-hmm. And then you type it, – it's got like slots where your fingers go, so it's easy to get the right finger in the right place. And you type in a code quickly that you've memorized, you know, 1349 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Your kid don't know, doesn't know that code. Your child cannot get into that safe, cannot get that gun, cannot do themselves any harm. But you've got the safe right by your bed, and if you need that gun in the middle of the night, boom, 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 four seconds, and you've got the gun in your hand. It's loaded. It's ready to go. There are others where you just lay your hand on it, and it reads your prints. You and told it can me read, about this. That, that, yeah. Your, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and it could read several prints. So it could read your wife's prints. Wow. It could read your prints, but it cannot read your kid's prints. It mm-hmm. won't read. So the, the door pops open, boom, you got a loaded pistol in your hand. But you also have to be trained on what to do. You, know, you hear noises in the night. You've got children in your house. That's a mm-hmm. tricky situation. Or even if you, uh, because you have children, you might go out of your bedroom. If you don't have children, stay in your bedroom, for goodness sake. Right. Make right. them come in after you, which right. they hopefully won't. Yeah. And you only have to look at one door mm-hmm. if you do. If you go out there, you've got 180 mm-hmm. degrees or more in the dark, and there might be three of them, and they might have bigger guns. So yeah. stay in your bedroom. But if you have children, you want to go out there. Yeah. Because they might get down by your children's bedroom, and they might do bad things. So now you've got to go out there. Uh, you want to make sure you don't harm your children right oh, yeah. obviously so uh you need trading and all that stuff but i'd say because you have children and you want to protect them and you want them to live and you want their mother to live mm-hmm. you need to have a handgun in your house mm-hmm. interesting Steve. now by the way way better than a handgun is a shotgun uh-huh. uh, a shotgun is like the quintessential home defense weapon i i, I was with a friend at, at a range recently we were firing handguns at a target and uh, we were doing well. We were having a good day, and, and we blew a hole in the center of the target. It was like huh. that much of the center of the target was yeah. gone at 21 feet. Uh, and then we said, let's, let's hit that same target with a shotgun. We took one shot, and you could not find the target. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> it was gone. It okay. just blew it to bits, man. Yeah. Uh, it's so hard to miss. It's so easy to hit. Yeah. But uh, with children, a shotgun is not the best because you can't lock a shotgun in one of those little right. safes. I was just yeah. going to ask. So your shotgun's going to be up in the closet, and the ammo's going to be somewhere else, and it's going to take you five minutes to get it all together and get yes. it working. Yeah. And meanwhile, there's an intruder in your house. Right. So if you have children in the house, a handgun in one of those locked safes is the way to go. Okay. Hmm. Your thoughts, Bill? Do, do you agree, or would are you more comfortable saying, I get it, you're uncomfortable, don't worry about it? 
Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with Steve. Uh-huh. Um, and I would absolutely support those. But I do lean a little bit more maybe towards the personal conviction. Uh-huh. Um, you have to convince me that that person is going to embrace the training, that they're going to mm. be safe with that weapon. And if oh, they're um, right, if they're just not committed to learning to use that weapon and put it on target and be purposeful about it and take responsibility for their own piece, I almost feel like it's a liability. Come on yeah. with you. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, good caveat. Well, is it fair to say, too, that, you know, part of trying to convince someone, Steve, would be, you know, saying, hey, why don't you come and take this course to see if you would be comfortable That's with it? That's good. Mm-hmm. You know, you know you're, you're, you're dead set against it, but why don't you come and take this course just to, you know, because there is so much going on out there with misconceptions and with mm-hmm. people thinking one, one way about guns. And, you know, I mean, really, people believe that they'll just go off by themselves and, and they'll kill someone. And so there mm-hmm. is such a lack. Lack of knowledge because they are underused and they are underappreciated and people people don't know what they're doing with them. So one of the first steps almost might be saying, "Hey, why don't you come and take my course? You know, mm-hmm. four hours. See, you know, see what yep. you think about it. See, see how you like it, and then and then make your decision if you're comfortable wanting to continue on at that point." Yeah, that's a really great great way to approach that. And I've had people come and take the course, and when we get to the the range time. They bailed because they just hmm. couldn't do it. Interesting. Like they just got terrified and they started to shake and they said, I can't do this. And they left. Okay. Well, they just discovered they're not yet ready to right. be handling a handgun and, and that's good. But yeah. in most cases, people say, I think in every other case, people have always said, oh, man, that helps so much. Now mm-hmm. I really get it. And, right. and it gave them a level of comfort with right. a handgun and its operation. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I, I, I do find it so funny how – intimidated people are by firearms mm-hmm. you know and and it really is just that lack of knowledge component not understanding you know what's going on in there and so you know it, it would be so it, it to me it would be so worth it for for people who are mm-hmm protesting guns you know before before you go and protest guns and you protest mm-hmm. other people having guns go ahead and take this course yourself and, and and then make your decision mm-hmm. instead of just saying, nope, never touched them, never would, and I don't think anyone should either. Mm-hmm. Well, well, before you say that, why don't you go ahead and try handling them a few times? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe if you'll permit me too, Nathan, to yeah. empathize with maybe some of our listeners as well yeah. out there. Uh, there's a little component of me that's still scared every time that weapon goes off, mm. right? I'm used it. I've got a certain level of comfort, mm-hmm. but I never want to be so comfort that I'm casual mm. around a firearm, yeah. Yeah. Right? right? And so, I mean, when you pull that trigger, and you'll hear this from people that – you're pulling that trigger, making sure you're not anticipating when that boom's going to go off. It's right. a boom, right? right yeah. It's going to jerk your hand if any of the calibers and things that you're shooting right. with. And, you know, you, you can overcompensate expecting that. So there's things that you'll train out and you'll get used to. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think, you know, and, and reiterate, if you're scared of it, there's a reason to right. be scared of it. Do that. If you decide I'm going to take my self-protection into my own hands and as this part of a mechanism and I want to explore that, right, get through it, get to a point of responsibility, sure. right, yeah. not necessarily a casualness regarding sure. the firearm. Yeah, you hit on a great thing there. And, and all our classes, and I'm aware of a lot of other people's classes, in their classes as well, uh, when you're training somebody either to buy a handgun for our class, carry a handgun, 16-hour class, we tell them we want to teach you the knowledge 
attitudes and skills. And the attitude part is this. One is you don't want to be cocky. Yeah, I carry a gun. You know, dare, I dare you right. to come up. No, no, no. You want to be the, the most humble. I want to get out of the situation person there. You de-escalate. Another part of the attitude is you want to live with a holy respect for that handgun. Yeah. Handguns can hurt you, your loved ones, mm-hmm. other people. And the moment you stop respecting that is the mm-hmm. moment an accident might occur. Absolutely. So great point. Yeah. It's good, man. Yeah. Um, before we close out here, I mean, you know, we're running over an hour here. This has just been uh, so good. But just uh, Steve, Bill, I just want to leave it for you guys. Any last thoughts, comments, words? Um, take it away. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. I really would like to encourage citizens to get good training and to be armed, even to carry if they can, mm-hmm. so that when bad guys show up, somebody, somebody's there, can do something about it. Yeah. Um, we, we had an incident recently. Can I talk for another minute? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. We had an incident yeah. in our area where uh, at a Panera, there was a man who uh, – there was a warrant out for his arrest. Mm-hmm. A police officer was tipped off to this. He showed up. He went in and approached that man. That man drew a handgun and shot the police officer in the head point yeah. blank. Then that man ran out the door of the Panera and ran off. A second officer was already on his way. That officer showed up, engaged the man. The man managed to kill that officer as well. Yeah. More officers came up with rifles, and they took the man out. Yeah. But if, if six other people in that Panera had been armed, like if I had been there – Mm-hmm. Honestly, I would have gone out the door after the guy, uh-huh. and I would have tried to shoot him. And maybe I would have saved the second officer, or maybe I would have gotten myself killed. I don't right. know. Right. But I would have tried. Um, I just I encourage people as kind of like a morally responsible civic duty to get armed because these are bad times. Mm-hmm. There are terrorists. There are people who are mentally not sound, and they want to do bad things to masses of people. Um, we need people there who can stop them, and mm-hmm. the police are going to be minutes away. We need people who can protect themselves and others around them. So I'd, I'd encourage that. Uh, this is related, but I spent one week in the Dominican Republic. I was down there for a pastor's conference and some stuff. It was the hottest week of my life, oh, brother. Man. It was unbelievable. I roasted, lost pounds that week. But uh, there was virtually no police presence visible anywhere in the Dominican. Traffic is unbelievable. Other stuff's unbelievable. But because there's no police pre- presence, everywhere you went, there was a guy with a sawed-off shotgun and bandoleros with shells in wow. it. Like in the church parking lot, there was a guy patrolling the church parking lot, which was very small because most people didn't have cars. It was a huge church. Yeah. Most yeah. people walk or ride or whatever. Um, if you go to a convenience store, you go to a gas station, there was always a guy out there with the shotgun. And my host told me, oh, yeah, wherever there's a guy with a shotgun, nothing bad ever happens. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I want to be the guy with the shotgun. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's good. Bill? So – one thing I'll just pivot off of that, Steve. Great words. Um, I would even go further and say we need good, God-fearing people to be those guys with guns too. People who respect human life that are going to have that moral dilemma and want to do according to the word as they're making those decisions for how they're defending people. Right. So, you know, really about that good guy. But um, you know, maybe something we haven't touched on so much that I just want to sorry bring about out, that. <laughs> <laughs> that I want to bring out a little bit more is. It's so hard today because there's so much disinformation out there. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is a political battle. I really believe that much of our population is swayed by the mainstream media, 
Um, and they're certainly a target drawn on guns themselves and gun control. I think, um, you know, it is a tragic, tragic incident that a guy with access to a gun can go in there and do so much harm to these people's lives. It's more tragic that he has no regard for human life. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's even more tragic on top of that, no regard for human life, that he's doing it with uh, under the guidance of a religious background, right, in the form of terrorism, mm-hmm. pledging allegiance to ISIS. Yeah. And, um, you know, we get to this and immediately following, you know, almost a perfunctory announcement of how sorrowful it is, it goes right to gun control. Yeah. So yeah. even though I'm sitting here as a gun enthusiast and we're talking about that and we're we're pouring through some biblical passages and kind of wrestling with the morality of it too and want to understand what our Lord would have us do and act in these situations, I think it's important for all those who are listening to know, get educated. Mm-hmm. Um, you can no longer trust some of the sources that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, get with people that that you can trust, and you know, look into the word. Be Bereans. Um, find these things. Work through them yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Good words. That's great. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, you just finished listening to uh, Steve Hartland and Bill Heidel um, talking about gun control. Um, really, you know, great topic that we had, Greg, yeah, um, with these guys. Um, so what we want to do now is just at the end, go ahead and make the announcements for our winners from last week's contest with Dale Ralph Davis. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you're not kidding. Those guys, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, tonight. I knew they would have a measured, thoughtful, um, very cogently argued uh, positions. And it was very, very helpful. Uh, reminds me of Dale Ralph Davis last week. <laughs> I think the most competent Old Testament preacher alive today. That's my personal mm. opinion. I've gotten so much out of it. Uh, again, uh, thank you. We had uh, about eight or nine yeah. new reviews. We're almost at 100 now. Uh, we mm-hmm. are at 97 written yeah. reviews, so we couldn't be more pumped about that. Um, and uh, we've got several that have come in, and we have two winners. Just to remind you, oh, first of all, I'm gonna. Uh, I was a little busy last week, so I think I've gotten one book out to winners. If you say, "Hey, I contacted you guys, haven't gotten a book," that's on me, <laughs> Nathan Bell. I mean, uh, Greg Dutcher. <laughs> that's on Greg Dutcher, not Nathan Bell. Uh, that's on me. I'm supposed to own that. So just let me know. Uh, I'm setting aside some time tomorrow and Thursday to make sure whoever has won a book gets a book very timely. Uh, because I, I think there was a little confusion with two guys last week. So just let me know. Email us at these go to 11. Uh, that's all spelled out, the number 1515 uh, at gmail.com. Um, two winners this week. You will get one of Dale Ralph Davis's four or six commentaries uh, either Joshua, Judges, uh, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. They are his signature works. Fantastic. Stuff he's written. I'm using the one for judges right now. It is my go-to commentary. Uh, so, uh, review number 92, five-star review. It's short, so I'll read it by Beardsworthy. Hot dog. Whoa. Beardsworthy, gents. Is that Eric Weddle? Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. I think it's one of the guys from ZZ Top is what it is. Uh. I listen regularly, love their humble personal style. Glad you really haven't gotten to know us. Very, <laughs> very few podcasts are as giving in terms of real life. Uh, too bad about the B.O. I'm not sure. We must have made a reference to uh, our B.O. But it is, it in is, this room. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is too bad about these other guys' B.O. Uh, so Beardsworthy, thank you for that kind, kind review. 
You are one of the winners this week for Dale Ralph Davis. Let us know which commentary you want. I'll send it out to you. And then we have another five-star review from Adam Bomb 286 A-D-A-M Bomb. Adam Bomb. Oh! <laughs> love it. I see what he did. Yes. yes. Adam Bomb 286 <laughs> Uh, quick one. The show is always uplifting and informative. I'm always excited when a new episode downloads, but not as excited as we are when you download it, Adam Bomb. <laughs> that makes us more excited. Um, so, congratulations and thank you to everybody else. I wish we could give you all books, but uh, we do these contests a lot. So, uh, just let us know. That's right. right. Um, and actually, uh, Greg, if you don't mind, I'm going to do another impromptu one because we are so close. Good. To that hundred mark. Um, so, Bill or Steve, I was wondering if you could recommend any great books on firearms mm. that we could offer up to our um, our listeners, or the history of firearms, or you know something about the Constitution, you know that that you found very helpful. Or I'm, I'm stalling for the time John. here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stalling for time here because it was oh, so my. impromptu yeah. that they're like, we've got nothing. Let's yeah. see. Oh, I'll tell yeah. you what. On firearms, read the Born Identity. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you know it, it, it's really interesting that <laughs> you mentioned that. I was feeling good about myself, and now <laughs> thanks for that dose of humility because I yes. can't think of one of nothing. Them. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing going through there. I, I don't read a lot of books on firearms, mm-hmm. and I will actually go out and tell you, you know, if you're interested in firearms, the best thing to do is get with an instructor. Right? Oh, go, okay. yeah, go take a class go. like Steve. Get that one-on-one. Let them give you some real-time feedback. Um, there's loads of books out there yeah. on marksmanship and other things like yes. that that you can just pick, and, and all of them are basically going to tell you the same. But I would they tell are. you, if you get anything from Masada Oop. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of my kind of favorite guys that you can yes. certainly look at he's done a lot a lot of the magazines that are out there ex-police officer ex-security okay. you know, security guy uh, for international security stuff good stuff interesting sweet uh, have either of you guys heard of the reason I know it is uh, Ron Smith who was a local radio yeah. personality here who passed away three or four years ago um, always recommended a book he was a libertarian kind of dude I think yes, wasn't he, he Ron was. Smith he always recommended a book. I just found it by John R. Lott called More Guns, Less Crime. Ooh. Understanding Crime and Gun Control Laws. It originally came out in 98, but it's been updated. Its uh, most recent update was uh, 2010. So, you know, hmm. modern times. Yeah. Fairly recent yeah. enough. And uh, I remember he gave a study, and Steve, you sort of alluded to it earlier. I think it was set in the U.K., where this guy apparently did a lot of research. And his conclusion, he tries to prove it empirically, although... People can question that. Is that where the citizen, where the citizens are armed, there is less crime? You know, What's there are studies about? going on in cities in the U.S. right now. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the one I just read about. It was either Detroit or Chicago. I think it was Chicago, Chicago. Yeah. where they're uh, they're targeting neighborhoods that are in trouble. And they're arming citizens with shotguns and teaching them how to responsibly handle those shotguns. Wow. And then they're looking to see is there going to be less crime. And I don't think any of those studies that I'm aware of have concluded yet. Sure. So we don't know what happened, but I'm right. pretty certain what the conclusion is going to be. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems commonsensical. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So one other one I'll add, if you just want something, pretty good reading. Yeah. Uh, I'll give time. kind of a timely book, just recently mm-hmm. written. Um, Dana Lesh. 
a little blaze author. She has hands off my gun. Uh She attempts to come at this from a political standpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, Good to really understand the position. I'm not going to like give it a complete endorsement Uh to say that it's, you know, wow, such a comprehensive work Mm -hmm. is great. But it gives you her perspective uh, growing up as someone from Texas, Mm kind of growing up around firearms, Mm -hmm. sharing it. But, uh, you know, was a, a very outspoken Democrat. Kind of moving into the independent Republican Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. way uh, just for this issue of gun control. So she's very outspoken. Excellent. Well, what we'll do is we'll go ahead and we'll get together with uh, Steve and Bill sometime this week, Greg, and we'll just we'll come up with a couple options. Yeah, because we'll have a week. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll go ahead and we'll do that. So uh, iTunes reviews. um, We're looking for three more written to get to 100. That was our goal. Yeah. Um, So three more to get to 100. Um, We'll do two winners. Again, sure. like we've been doing, absolutely. If we get more than three, as Greg puts it, then uh, you know we'll we'll pick two. But yep. if if we get three, then if we'll we get three, we'll and, give three. Yeah, I I, I I can never leave the one sorry dude out. Right, man. right. But uh, yeah, that's a great idea, Nathan. If you guys even in the next week just look through some of your stuff, say, yeah, this looks like a solid book, solid yeah, resource. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, that we can give the uh, books recommended by our esteemed panel. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like that, man. And this was our, Nathan, 97th episode tonight. 97th episode. We're Don't forget. we do wow. 98, 99 yep. next week. Yep. I, I'll, I'll give this little tease. With Dr. Bruce Ware, yes. we're following up on his position on um, a, the atonement. Yes. Uh, that he is a sort of classic four-point Calvinist. Got so much response. I got 18 questions from all yeah. the social media, Facebook, wow. emails, and Twitter that we got. Sent them all to Dr. Ware about three weeks ago. He's ready to answer that. Have you ever awesome. gotten 18 questions on anything no. else? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. That topic, for whatever reason, just lit that was a hot. fire. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Normally we get emails that are like, please don't ever tackle that again. <laughs> <laughs> Those 18 didn't all come from one yeah. cranky guy, did they? <laughs> no, but I, you know what, guys? I'd love to know, would our audience rather hear Dr. Ware answer those questions or the Reverend James King answer those questions? <laughs> Dude, you know, yeah. you, you might get a pretty even split on that one. Yeah. <laughs> that's some entertainment value. Yeah, that's right. Huh? <laughs> For sure. Uh, huh? All right, well, we're going to go ahead and sign off now. Steve, Bill, Greg, we just rocked the Casbah. Rocked it. These go to 11.